The Black Lives Matter riots were fighting slavery. And the January 6th riot was a bunch of racists. That's the difference. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. January 6th got back in the news starting last Monday. Since the Republicans took over the House of Representatives a couple months ago, uh, McCarthy, the speaker, he gave Tucker Carlson and his TV show staff access to footage of the security cams in the Capitol building that happened, you know, what happened on January 6th. And there hasn't been like any super crazy new revelations that are going to turn the story on its head or anything. But what have we learned? So there's 41,000 hours of footage. So, you know, the footage I've seen of January 6th ain't that much. So I think, you know, I think they've shown all the stuff that makes Trump supporters look as evil as possible has been shown to the American public. And so apparently there isn't that much of that footage. There's a little bit of that footage and we've seen it. And then there's four, what, 30, 40,997 40, hours of stuff that apparently doesn't fit the narrative, so they didn't bother to show us. I mean, I'm trying to think, how much footage, like how much crazy footage have I really seen of January 6th? It's always the same clips. I mean, I would say it's, it's less than 15 minutes. I don't know. I've looked, you know, maybe, maybe it's out there somewhere, but I think all the terrible footage I've ever seen does not add up to 15 minutes maybe five minutes it really isn't much I mean, you know it's like there's that one fight on the outside of the building between the cops and the rioters and there and there must be more but anyways i you just don't see that stuff but anyways the footage is on some sort of government you know cloud server computer situation and it turns out like they had that you know for a year the democrats had a january 6th commission and the politicians didn't have access to, they couldn't go look at that stuff. Or at least, yeah, they didn't. They couldn't, they didn't. A select group of staffers who work for the politicians were the ones who were given access to go look at the footage. And so here, this is just speculation. But I'm going to bet you that some of those staffers are former intelligence agency, FBI, CIA workers. So I bet you the FBI and the CIA... We're like, hey, hey, politicians, we'll look at this stuff for you. We'll give you the stuff that you need. And if there's anything, you know, and then what they don't say is if there's anything that we need to hide, cover up about ourselves, we'll do that too. So Tucker Carlson and the, the staff of his TV show, like, you know, they, they couldn't download all the videos and run it through facial recognition and timestamp stuff. I mean, look, that's what needs to happen. You need to run it through facial recognition and look at the timestamp, and then you just type in, you know, person number 123, and the computer will just show you as they walk in the building, next camera as they walk through the hallway, next camera as they walk through the room, da 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 da, da and then finally the one as they leave the building. Very easy to do with modern AI machine learning. But that is not what has happened so far. I think it's just whatever you log in you can kind of look at a grainy picture or something and who knows they even let you fast forward or save it for later i mean well so mccarthy has said he's going to let more people look at it after tucker who is that it needs to go out to the entire internet and then we'll all look through it and see what we can find but the stuff tucker led with which i guess is the biggest revelatory bombshells is uh jacob chansley the QAnon shaman the guy who wore like a buffalo headdress there's a bunch of footage of him inside, and like it's like him and two cops walking around the Capitol building. Sometimes they're following him. Sometimes they're kind of leading him or in front of him. Um, sometimes they're like trying to open locked doors to the uh, the floor of the house so he can go in there. Eventually, they do find a door for him to go in there. And then he gave a prayer to, I think he prays to Jesus, even though he dresses like an Indian. And he thanked the police. Thank, thank the Lord for the police and how nice they were. And that's that stuff is a little bit crazy because he so he's in prison for 41 months. He has schizophrenia. They put him in solitary confinement for 11 months, which I think is extra bad when you have schizophrenia. You know, you're left alone with your own thoughts, which is not good. And so eventually he's like, okay, I'll I'll plead guilty. We don't know. You know, it seems like maybe you put him in solitary confinement, which is considered a form of torture by a lot of countries. And uh, he'll plead guilty to anything. They got him to plead guilty. He got 41 months. 
And then prosecutors are required by law to give any evidence that related to a case over to the defense. But they did not give over this videotape stuff to his defense. But apparently once you plead guilty, all that stuff is out the window. It doesn't matter how many what would be illegal things a prosecutor did. Basically, it's just, you know, the time, it's a t- time stops, time stands still as, as soon as you plead guilty and all those things be- before that don't matter. So I think he's effed. He's a, you know, he was sacrificed. He's the one that people remember because he's wearing that crazy outfit. And so they had to make an example of him. And if you have to, you know, throw a crazy, a, you know, if you have to torture a schizophrenic and then throw them in prison for a long time when they don't deserve it to send a message to all the other Trump supporters across America, I guess it's worth it. It's like, hey, look what we did to an innocent schizophrenic. Just think what we'll do to you, motherfucker. And the other thing was footage of uh, Officer Sicknick, who is the the police, the Capitol Hill police officer who died the next day of a stroke. You know, related, unrelated, we don't know. I mean, you don't normally have a stroke from what... It, It's very, very strange circumstances, very possibly unrelated, put it that way. And so there's footage of him um, just, whatever, just going around. He's like moving, someone is moving stuff around. He's directing people, whatever. He's just, he's doing the same stuff all the other cops are doing. And so uh, Tucker had a bunch of footage of him basically acting fine. And so I've talked about it before, but you know, the entire mainstream media lied and said he was killed with a fire extinguisher and that's what the american public believes to this day it's not true there certainly was no fire extinguisher he was the one that like that you know they were hoping that someone would be murdered right january 6th is annoying because the trump supporters didn't murder anyone but anyway so they just lied and said that he was murdered so you know if for this you know the for the million for the three million people that watch tucker now they're aware that there was no murder and then for the 350 other million americans they still think there was some murder going on And the politics of it are kind of curious because, so first off, you know, who do people on the left hate the most? Well, Trump. But after that, quite possibly Tucker Carlson. So to give the footage to him, and only him, and have him come out with that stuff is just, uh, I don't know. It It wasn't a turn the temperature down bipartisan thing. It was like, Fan the flames. I don't, I'm not sure why McCarthy did it. I guess he promised. I think, you know, he, was, he had trouble becoming the speaker. If you remember, it took like 10 votes or something before he finally was elected. And uh, I think he had to promise that he would give the footage to Tucker, to, you know, some of the more Trumpy uh, politicians who were holding their vote for him. And then obviously, you know, the mainstream media, Democrat politicians, anyone who had their reputation tied up in January 6th, being worse than Pearl Harbor, the worst thing since the Civil War. Um, anyways, they were outraged, or they said they were outraged. They wrote articles about being outraged. They calmly sat down and expressed their outrage, or they gave speeches about their outrage, etc. Off of teleprompters, naturally. But Mitch McConnell, he's the top dog Republican in the Senate, the most powerful Republican in the country, basically, and a number of other big... Um, Republican senators, um, they all said that what Tucker did was wrong. McConnell's statement was kind of interesting. He said he shouldn't be doing that, releasing that information, because the chief of police of the Capitol building said he shouldn't be doing it. So that was kind of his excuse. But this is kind of my speculation or my spin on it. But, you know, I'm not sure the percentage is. Maybe 90% of uh, Republican politicians are the kind that... The only thing they really care about is taking money from the middle class and giving it to the rich, ideally the military rich. And so I think that 90% of Republicans, they're not really super happy to see whatever, you know, to, to have the can of worms, worms open up again. And this is all related to Trump. You know, Trump, I mean, the stuff he actually ended up doing was taking from the middle class and giving to the rich. But I think, you know, no, no one, he couldn't be counted on, even though he did do what Republicans wanted him to do in the, in the long run, passing Paul Ryan's tax cut bill um, and not building a wall, and et cetera. Um, he can't, he couldn't be trusted. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, whatever. 
he he did what you wanted that time, but you don't want him you know you don't want him around anymore because maybe next time he won't do what you want. And so I think if you don't like Trump, then you don't want people talking about January sixth, which is kind of interesting because it's not obvious to me. Like you know, talking more about January sixth is that going to get Trump elected? Like I don't think that is. So I don't think that's what they're worried about. I mean, like I was saying, like you know, are they going to find something that turns January sixth on its head? find out that it was all put on by, like, the FBI or something, and then all of America says, Trump, we love you. Like, I think even if it is a put on by the FBI, which I think it partially probably is, I don't think America's going to say, we love you, Trump. So Maybe I guess they're worried it will um, lead to less Republican senators and representatives being, elect- being elected next time. Or maybe they just, I don't know. I mean, a lot of them got scared during January 6th. They had to go, like, hide in a safe room or something. I don't know, but I guess the Republicans are divided on whether or not they want to try and prove that January 6th wasn't as bad as it, as people say it was or not. I think that, you know, Tucker gave some narration while he's showing the video. I didn't watch a lot of it, but, but I think his general gist was, people are saying that he said it was completely and utterly peaceful and there was no violence. I don't think he said that, but I think he he was saying it was more peaceful than people think, or something. I mean, he was really hitting that, you know, it was way more peaceful. Look at this peaceful guy. Look at that peaceful guy. I think related to the Black Lives Matter riots, where people were like, oh, these are mostly peaceful. So, I don't know, I guess that would be the, that, I guess that would be the game. You try and, just like the violent riots of Black Lives Matter have been characterized as mostly peaceful, can you get January 6th to be recharacterized as mostly peaceful? I talked about it before it's uh it's not any more violent than the Black Lives Matter riots. And it was interesting, so I don't even remember this happening. But there was actually an insurrection in twenty seventeen against Trump. I mean while we're throwing around the word insurrection. So you can look it up on Wikipedia, this is all left wing verified. Um on his inauguration day, a whole bunch of like Antifa and just left wing people went out and rioted and were kind of trying to stop, you know, to prevent Trump from becoming president. I mean, you know, they, you know, in their wildest dreams, that's what they were hoping for. And they burned a number of things, uh, which is more than happened on January 6th. I think 200 people were arrested and charged with, like, violent rioting. Um, they were all, they were, all the charges were dropped, you know. They're like, you know what, never mind. Left-wing rioters are fine. You know, similar to Black Lives Matter. Left-wing rioters are fine, the law enforcement has decided. I mean, you don't want to get called racist, do you? But so January 6th had like 950 people who broke the law and got charged with something, mostly trespassing. Um, And then Trump's inauguration had like over a little over 200 people who did it. So, you know, 200 is less than 950. But anyway, you know, it's kind of crazy that that happened and no one ever heard of it. Actually, let's break down some numbers. So there was two things you could call almost insurrections against Trump from the left. One of them was on his inauguration, and then there's another one where they just attacked the White House. Okay, so January 6th, it had 950 people breaking the law. It had 140 or something police officers injured. Now, Trump's inauguration had 200 people breaking the law, including arson and more violent stuff than January 6th. Only six cops got injured. And then there's the other one where they attacked the White House, and that was, um, I don't think they arrested anyone on that, but 50 law enforcement people got injured on that. So January 6th still has bigger numbers, but it's pretty crazy. There's other things that are they're the same type of thing. Maybe not to the same degree, but they're the same type of thing. Two of them happened <laughs> the other direction. And, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I hate me some lying-ass media. And so, obviously, those are the people that should have told us. Like, January 6th should have been like, oh, that's the third one that's happened in, you know, in the last four years. But instead, it's like, this is the first thing since the Civil War. Apparently, a number of people are angry about how Chansley, the shaman with the buffalo head, uh, who basically, in my opinion, got railroaded. I think Elon Musk tweeted out that free Jacob Chansley or something, and someone's like, oh, you're a MAGA person, and Elon Musk 
gave a long response about how he believes in due process and how the law shouldn't be used to, you know, by the powerful to crush the weak or something. And the Chancellor thing makes me a little bit angry too, so I'm trying to understand my feelings. I mean, it's hard to differentiate stuff because, like, I do not like the FBI and I do not like the media and I don't like the whatever, the people in the government and it's said the deep state, whatever. And they've kind of all have got, it's all mixed together. That group of people have all gotten mixed together to kind of do what happened to Chansley. And so is it just because I don't, you know, is it the enemy of my enemy is my friend or do I really care about the little guy? Like, I don't know, like I'm way more opposed to the 570 Black Lives Matter riots than the one right-wing riot. So I was trying to think of some Black Lives Matter person who got railroaded and see if I was upset or if I like was like, who cares, throw away the key, I don't give a damn. But I couldn't think of such a person. I know of a bunch of people who got away with murder, I mean, almost, almost murder, got away with a lot of, a lot of bad crimes and got slaps on the wrist or nothing at all. Of course, that's just convenient for me to say that, yeah, I'm on the side of righteousness. I don't really know. This whole thing kind of reminds me of the concept of conflict of interest. And there's a rule, I think. I think sometimes it's enforced legally. But yeah, you can't have a conflict of interest, but you also can't have an appearance of a conflict of interest. And that's because you can someone can almost always make up an excuse. Like, uh, think of an example. Like, imagine some judge is presiding over his brother and he lets the he lets the brother go free for whatever crime and then you know you'd be like see judge you let that guy go free because he was your brother and the judge is like no 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 no. i would have let i would i would have let him go free if he wasn't my brother the fact that he's my brother had nothing to do with it and so that's why you create this more strict version which is the appearance they're like okay maybe you would or would not have let this person go free either way but it appears that you're doing stuff because you have a conflict of interest. So, you know, so in this case, like, you know, the judge would have to recuse himself and some other judge would have to go in there. And so what this January 6th stuff looks more like, it looks like a cover-up. You know, is the FBI or other parts of the government, are they covering up something? Well, you know, the security could have been light that day because people made a mistake or because someone wanted the security to be, to be light so that hopefully there'd be some sort of attack. Or did the FBI implant themselves in, in the crowd and like instigate a bunch of stuff? Or there was none of them around? Well, the answer is if the government is completely innocent, then apparently they would, I, I think they would still be withholding all the information <laughs> period from the American people. And if the government is completely guilty of all sorts of stuff top to bottom, they would be withholding all this information from the American people. So we've got the appearance of a cover-up. Uh, let's talk a little, even a little more about Chansley. So I think he got convicted of, like, obstruction of a official proceeding or something, which apparently is a pretty serious crime. You can get 41 months. I, I don't know offhand. I want to say maybe you could get up to, like, 10 years for it. But it just sounds like something that almost anything that people do could qualify as obstructing something official and then you know if the prosecutor wants to go to the trouble they can really take someone down and fuck them up i mean i'm sure that's all legal I mean, you know they whatever they found something he broke he broke a law and that law has you know max minimum and maximum uh, penalties and i'm sure that part's all kosher i mean they probably could have used that on a thousand of them they just decided not to yeah, so I'd like to know more about that. I'll tell you if I hear. And the other thing is, I was listening to a guy who's like, Chancellor, you know, he's free, free chance. It wasn't just Elon, but, you know, free. he should be let go. He should be let go right now. The Republicans in the House should all refuse to go to work until he's let go. And they were saying it was obvious that he was, I don't know. I don't know if he's innocent. Like I say, it's not like these broad laws that everyone's guilty of. You know, they could almost... Maybe just grab random people off the street in Washington, D.C., and who knows what. You spit on the sidewalk, might be able to charge you. But here's the thing that I think is unknown is, so we got video of him in the building being very peaceful and hanging out with some cop or whatever, following cops and being followed by cops and praying for cops. But I haven't heard, I don't think there's video yet of him 
entering the building, like video from the outside of him going in. You know, if he was standing right next to someone wrestling a cop or something, that would change things in my opinion. And, uh, and then, you know, basically you'd like to see him go in, everything that he did while he was inside, and then you'd like to see him leave, and then you'd know exactly what happened. I don't think we have the beginning and the end yet. I looked up some polling on how America feels about January 6th. Obviously, Democrats feel more strongly about it, and Republicans less. I mean, you can, all, you can imagine all that stuff. Like, I wasn't sure exactly how to read all, all that I saw. Seems like maybe Democrats are feeling more strongly about it, like, two years later. That didn't make any sense to me, but maybe that's true. Then they had kind of a general question for all Americans, and I think the your options were something like, January 6th should never be forgotten was one, and the other one was, it's time to move on. And I think it was pretty close to just, you know, the blue versus red America, maybe never forgotten was in the, you know, 50, 55 range. And time to move on was in the 40, 45 range. But it seems like, you know, the, the last, what it matters for is elections. And so the, the midterm elections, that's two years after January 6th. It seemed like people still cared enough to make the Democrats win. And, you know, so we'll see if they care about four years later on the next next go-around. I guess with Trump there, who knows? Hanging around Trump's neck. But the elections are so close that, like, if you can get Amer- if you can get 1%, 1 out of 100 Americans to change their opinion of something, all of a sudden you're winning a whole bunch more elections than if you can't get that 1 in 100 to go your way. So that's, that's what I'll be curious to see. Four years later, does... One out of a hundred Americans, you know, think it's not as big a deal as they used to. And then when I talk about January 6th, I usually bring up the 570 Black Lives Matter riots. You know, the many people murdered, people burned alive, etc. But no one else ever brings that up because you're about to get called racist. I don't have a job. There's no money on the line. I already got canceled. And it wasn't that bad. I'll be canceled again. But I think I was listening to a Federalist podcast, and there's something... They must be on the right with a name like Federalist. But the person they brought on to discuss it was... I mean, they didn't dwell on it, but they... They were like, January 6th. Remember, that happened after a year of rioting. So, that's the other thing I'll be looking at. Is it... Is it are people getting over their fear of being called racist and can start talking about the other riots? Because, boy, yeah, January 6th plus the 570 other riots, that's a whole different thing. You know, that's, that's just... There's one sentence. You can just say that one sentence that if you really, if you want to turn the whole narrative on its head, I think that's, that's the way I would do it. In fact, that is the way I do it. Fox News is uh, in the news for another reason. There's a company called Dominion, and I think they make voting machines. And they're suing Fox News, I think, for defamation. And I'm not sure. I think the timeline was something like, so Biden beat Trump. Fox News wasn't saying the election was stolen. Trump started saying the election was stolen. I think Fox News had ignored it for a little while, but then, you know, Trump supporters started getting in on it, and they wanted to hear about that on Fox News. And then maybe some of the anchors said the election was stolen, but I don't, I don't think they really did that. But more what they did was they would bring on someone... You know, the way the, the way the mainstream media lies. Everyone, the media always lies the same way. If there's a lie you want to get out there, you just bring on someone to your show who will say the lie, and you just let them say it. And so there was some woman named Sydney Powell. I guess she was kind of the biggest drum beater, but I think they brought on a bunch of people. They just bring on people who'd say the election was stolen, and they say, okay, thanks for your thoughts, and then whatever, go on with the sh- various shows. All right, the timeline. And so initially... The election was stolen thing was coming down to these Dominion voting machines and I'm not sure what states. Later on it came a more general thing that the election was stolen in general, but originally they were all they were talking about this Dominion stuff a lot, and so that company is suing them. And the interesting part is uh, in the lawsuit, Dominion was able to use discovery to get, I don't know, text messages, to get a bunch of messages between Fox employees back and forth about whether or not they thought the election was stolen. Because one of the parts of defamation, to prove it, and to get money out of someone, uh, it's better if you, if you can prove that they knew they were lying. Which is tricky to do. Someone, you know, 
usually a person say, well, I don't remember. You know, you ask, were you lying? They're like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't lying. That's what I really believed. Or I don't remember what I thought or blah, blah, blah. So, you know, if you can get the text messages, maybe you can get them by the short and curlies. And defamation against news sites is famously very hard to prove. You almost never can, you know, get them. I mean, otherwise the mainstream media, people would be suing the mainstream media left and right, up and down for all their lives. But it's just very hard to sue people. So it's not clear that Dominion will get any money out of it. But so the text messages, a lot of the text messages, or the, you know, the stuff you hear about was people going, oh, you know, here's that crazy lady coming on the show again saying that the election was stolen when I know it wasn't. You know, a lot of the people, a lot of the Fox people privately said they knew the election was not stolen and then would, you know, host people saying it was stolen, showing that they kind of lied. Or they lied in that certain way that journalists love to lie. And for me, you know, it's kind of like, sure, go prosecute those thousand rioters on January 6th and then go prosecute those 100,000 rioters from the Black Lives Matter movement. So please, go prosecute Fox News, and then go prosecute all the liars and every other media company across the nation. But the counter-narrative stuff that was interesting was the private messages from Tucker Carlson. Like, he privately said that he hates Donald Trump. Like, he said he hates him passionately or something. And then when he had Sidney Powell on, I guess guess she, she was going on every show saying the election was stolen. And when Tucker had her on, and this isn't part of the secret messages, this is just the TV show that you can watch, but apparently he grilled her hard and didn't accept her narrative that the election was stolen. So basically, Tucker comes out looking pretty good on the election was stolen front, I guess to me, and then if you don't like Trump, he comes out looking pretty good on that. I'm not sure. I don't think Trump supporters are going to hold a grudge. There was a bank run on Silicon Valley Bank at the end of last week. And it was looking like there might be a run on a bunch of banks, but the government has stepped in and, at least in theory, that should stop it. So back in the 1920s, I think there was on average maybe 500 banks that had runs on them, and then they went out of business like every year. So thousands of banks used to go out of business back in the day. And they created something called the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Although it's government associate, it's related to the government, but it insures people up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, if you, dear listener, have money in a bank account, and as long as it ain't over two hundred and fifty k, you're all right. I saw some videos of like long lines around banks. I don't think those people all were a bunch of people with more than two hundred and fifty k in their bank account. You don't go stand in line. Anyway, so people don't under, people didn't always understand, I guess, what's going on. The Silicon Valley Bank, I don't think it's been around for many, many years. It's kind of a newer bank, but it's a top 20 bank as far as how much money it has. And mostly what it is is it deals with companies, you know, tech companies and startups in Silicon Valley. And they're not like a cryptocurrency, fly-by-night, whatever. And I forget, I forget how much money they have, but they had maybe... 215 billion and they owed to their customers like 200 billion so they should have been kind of okay but the issue with bank runs is banks have a lot of money they own a lot of stuff but the question is how quickly can they get their hands on it because of all their customers you know if you're a customer you can have your money you know that hour or you know certainly within 48 hours your customers can ask for all their money in a real quick period and you may not be able to get all your even though you have enough to cover it you know it's a long you can cover it long term you can't get to it quick enough it's like that movie it's a wonderful life where uh, they have the run on the bank and he's like your money's not here it's in your neighbor's house you you know but apparently a bunch of little you know people are a hell of a lot richer than you or I but anyways little tech startups were going to go out of business uh, if the government didn't backstop this bank, and so they've said that they will. And then there's a little bit of a debate on whether or not this is a bailout. I guess in the 2008 financial crisis, when they bailed out those banks, it was a bailout. And what that means is that the rich people in charge of the bank and the owner, you know, the people who own the stock, basically the owners of the bank, all those people who had 
been done, un, you know, done, were in the wrong. All those people who were high up and rich as hell and were in the wrong, the government paid them all a bunch of money so they didn't lose nothing. You know, they kept the bank afloat and every rich person associated with the bank stayed rich. And so there's the idea that this one is not going to be that kind of bailout. So, you know, maybe if you owned a bunch of stock in Silicon Valley Bank, poof, gone. And I haven't heard, I don't know, there's still more to learn on this, but it sounds like all the executive, the Silicon Valley Bank paid out bonuses to all the executives like an hour before they said, oh, and by the way, we, we don't have enough money for our customers. And kind of what brought them down, it was the interest rate change. So they had their, they had a variety of things, they had their money in a variety of things, but one of the things they had was long-term 10-year treasury bills, which are totally, you know, secure things. You're guaranteed to get paid, you know, unless the federal government goes out of business, but they're long-term. So it's like that thing where they, you know, they can't get their hands on the cash really quick unless they take a big, unless they take a huge loss on them. You can sell them right now at a huge loss, or you have to wait 10 years and then you make your money. I think all banks do that and it's not considered too risky or something, but uh, they also had a bunch of money into, I don't know, basically tech startups, which I think it made, it made Silicon Valley Bank a whole bunch of money, but now that tech is big, well, it's small tech. Now that small tech is not doing so well along with the rest of tech, that stuff, it's, it's iffy how much that's worth. You know, they had it down on their books for $70 billion or something, but it ain't worth that much anymore. And so I think, I think people noticed, like, hey, you know, this bank doesn't have, may not, be as, may not have as much money as they say they do, may not have enough money to cover their customers. And then that made the stock price of the bank crash, which drew everyone's attention, and then everyone did the run on the bank. And a number of other banks had their... I guess people started looking at them, their stock prices crashed, and people were thinking, let's do a run on this other, these other banks, and that's when the government came in and said, we're going we're gonna to pay everyone their money. Everyone, all the customers will be made whole. And just like there's a CEO who's the chief, chief executive officer, apparently banks have CROs, which is chief risk assessment officers, who are supposed to prevent this kind of thing from happening. But Silicon Valley Bank... The American part of it, which is the major part, they haven't had a CRO for the past year. And then the word, you know, hashtag woke was trending on Twitter yesterday because they have, an, they have, they have a segment of the company that works over in Europe. It's like the European, African, and Asian section of Silicon Valley Bank. And that part of the company still has a CRO uh, who's a lesbian. And if you go, like, look up her resume... It doesn't talk about risk assessment at all. It talks about what she's done for, you know, she's doing something for Pride Month and, you know, making safe spaces for the employees of Silicon Valley Bank. So maybe this situation will make uh, high up people in corporations rethink their wokeness. I mean, probably not a lot, but maybe a little bit. And I think the other, the other bank, that, the, the second bank that was about to go under if the government didn't stop it, was a bank that like famously closed all of Trump's accounts with them because they were woke. So, I mean, I don't think it's like the woke banks are failing because they're just all woke. So some banks are failing, and so therefore some woke banks are failing. And there was some doubt whether or not the government would step in. And so I guess what you did, you know, if you were a corporation who had millions of dollars in this bank, what you did is you pulled it out of the, you know, if you... If you, if you heard about it in time, you pulled your money out and then you put it into one of the big four banks. America has four banks that are just huge in comparison to the rest. And everyone figures that the government will at least bail out those four if they ever fail. That's what they did in 2008. And so we may see some of these, I mean, smaller banks that, you know, they have $200 billion. But anyways, relatively smaller banks may see less of them as people just say, screw it, put all your money in the big banks. So this weekend at the box office... Scream 6 horror movie uh, came in number one, made $45 million and got a B-plus cinema score, so that's considered a successful amount of money and a pretty pretty good um, score for a horror movie, which are usually not considered very good movies. And it has a lot of people of color and some lesbians in it, 
but I think like the, the two main characters are a couple smoking hot Latinas. And so if Hollywood takes a diversity lesson from this, I think it might be uh, hot Latinas. Yeah, make more movies with them. And I don't disagree. Maybe make movies of all ratings. PG, R, even past that. Then Creed, the- Creed 3, the Rocky boxing spinoff. Um, second week, it has a total of $100 million domestic, so that's considered a success. I'm not sure the lesson there. Maybe like non-queer movies starring super muscular black men is a good way to make money, but it has to be part of a franchise. And so basically that's being tried in superhero movies right now, or especially it's about to be put to the test. So, you know, we'll see if that's actually a winning formula or... You know, but the, the one lesson Hollywood never learns is that actually what you need to do is make a good movie. But it's impossible to know if the movie you're making is going to be good or not. So you got to come up with something else. I was listening to someone. They were saying that studio executives are now using AI to read the scripts and tell them if it will be good. So I'm going to talk about Disney a little bit more in a bit. But um, Marvel has... You know, Marvel, part of Disney, it has Blade, which is a black um, vampire hunter. And Captain America is now, they replaced the white Captain America with a black guy. And so those are two movies that are coming out probably in the next year or two. Probably two years. Um, and so that will put, uh, put it to the test to a bit. And then the fun movie to watch at the box office is the Ant-Man 3 which is looking like basically a bona fide flop. It looks like it will not make as much money as Ant-Man 1 or 2, and those were made back before inflation, so it just really is not looking good for it. Some people are calling it Antifa Man because one of the main characters is like a defund the police protester in San Francisco of all places. But... That movie, I don't, I don't think that movie is known specifically for any particular wokeness. They didn't, they didn't race swap anyone, for instance. Well, except for Kang, that no one knew his race to begin with. So it's not exactly, hey Marvel and Disney, quit making woke movies. But it is saying, hey Marvel and Disney, we're not liking Marvel so much anymore. And a bunch of the ones that just came out were woke, and a bunch of the ones that are about to come out are woke. So you better mind your P's and Q's, because this current one sucks. And so, okay, so, yeah, so let's talk about Marvel and Disney. So Disney had a corporate shakeup, and uh, Bob Iger is back in charge. He was the CEO of Disney for a long time. What he's famous for is buying Marvel, buying Pixar, and buying something else, and adding those things to the, you know, the Disney whatever company and then you know marvel was going gangbusters so he was looking like a genius and then he left right when the pandemic started i think not coincidence and then disney hasn't been doing so well it's right when marvel made like four bad movies in a row uh it's you know it's pandemic but also the movies weren't that good they got in a lot of their first stuff you know their first gay kiss their first talking about ovaries all that but so, it seems to me like Bob Iger, he said everything that Disney did that made people want to replace the guy who came in after Iger uh, was what Bob Iger set in motion. And in, two, in the two-year period that happened, the other guy never got, to, never got to change anything. So really, it's Bob, I think it's Bob Iger's fault. But anyways, it didn't go well, even though it was his ideas. Disney Plus lost a bunch of money, and so now he's back. And so the first thing he said when he was back, they're like, you know, hey, you, you're fighting with Ron DeSantis in Florida and Disney World. You know, are you going to are you going to stop being woke, basically? And his answer was no. You know, we're, we're making the world a better place. We're going to be woke as hell. That was the first thing he did. And CEOs are like politicians. So, I mean, I think he was kind of kind of probably telling the truth, but. Just because he says something doesn't mean that's the truth at all. But anyways, the other day he gave a speech for some Morgan Stanley thing. I don't know what that is. Some sort of financial thing. 
it's a big deal and you can get the CEO of Disney to come talk. And he said, we're going to, you know, we've, we've done too much stuff and we're going to do uh, quality over con uh, quantity. We're going to try and switch from too much crappy stuff to a smaller amount of good stuff. He didn't say they're going to stop being woke. But they have postponed a whole bunch of woke shows and movies that they were going to make. And the first thing you do when you're about to cancel a woke show, you know, like... I got this show called Echo, which is about a deaf Native American superhero. The first thing you do when you're canceling... If you were going to cancel a show about a deaf Native American superhero, is you say you're just postponing it. And then you wait a while until people are, you know, less following the story. And then you quietly cancel it. And so they have postponed, I think, four basically woke um, Disney Plus Marvel TV shows. You had the black female version of Iron Man. You got this uh, deaf Native American. There's a show called What If, where I don't know, each episode is different. But, you know, the first episode of the first season was What If Captain America Was a Girl. Now Captain America is going to be a black man. <laughs> they already did What If Captain America Was a Woman. I mean, you know, fuck America, I think is what they're trying to say. Uh, and they postponed one was about a, a witch, which... I imagine that was a female empowerment one, or who knows. Then they already made the movie, but they pushed Captain Marvel 2, which is the female superhero, is supposed to be the head top dog, the top dog superhero in the Marvel Universe now that Iron Man is gone and Captain, the original Captain America is gone. And I think they're reshooting it a bunch, and we'll see. But anyways, postponing it is not a sign that they're confident it's a good movie. And so, I think what's, yeah, basically, a lot, of, like, I've watched some of these Disney Plus shows, they're bad. I can't, you know, I watch one or two episodes, I turn them off, I can't, or, you know, if I even make it that far. And so, I don't know why all these woke shows are also terrible shows, but, you know, it may, it may just be coincidence. But I think the message that, I think that Marvel and Disney is about to get is don't do woke shows because people hate them. And it will actually be because the shows are terrible and not because they're necessarily woke. But, you know, it's not clear. Because, you know, when you make Captain America black, you probably don't get all the same good writers and directors and cinematographers and electricians and blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you don't just change the one actor who plays Captain America. You probably change a bunch of stuff. And you may have, you know... Basically, you know, it's like affirmative action where, by definition, you get people who are less qualified. And so that may be why everything sucks. Or maybe it's coincidence or the streaming wars or who knows. But anyways, Disney is dialing back. And movies take two years or something to make. So stuff that's in the pipeline, it's going to take a while to flush what's in the pipeline out. And so you won't know exactly what happens until whenever you think the backlash started. I think the backlash is starting about now so we may have to wait about two years now while we're flushing the system let's talk about the oscars which happened yesterday so they had a part where uh the new black little mermaid and the lady who's playing the sea witch came out and said we're having a movie i think it's I don't know, normally you don't stop the oscars for people to come out and talk about some movie that's upcoming that you know it's not nominated for any oscars or anything i mean it hasn't come out but I imagine Disney, they might control the Oscars now. Anyways, Disney paid money or they control the Oscars. And I think it's important to Disney that The Little Mermaid be a success. Because otherwise, all this race swap. They got a bunch of race swapping of beloved characters coming up. And they, whatever. If that falls flat on its face, it's not good for them. And so the first trailer, the first full trailer for The Little Mermaid came out, and I mentioned it before, it looks, I got the little, the little snippets that we had seen, it just looks so dark. And the trailer, it doesn't look as dark as the snippets, but it just, it does look dark, just like under the ocean, apparently is a dark place. You know, not when it's a cartoon, but when you do a live action. But it also looked like they were following the original cartoon very closely. I mean, I think that's what they always do, maybe? Well, I don't know. And if you do that, I mean, how bad can it be? The Little Mermaid was a good movie. 
Well, the answer is we'll just have to wait and see. But you can see that Disney really, really wants it to be to do well. And then the harsh thing that I shouldn't say, but the the young actress who's playing the Little Mermaid, she has gained a lot of weight. Like I was wondering if maybe they could reshoot the movie and make it brighter and more attractive looking or something. And maybe they still could because it's mostly just special effects that they would have to change, I think. But anyways, they're not going to be able to reshoot anything with her in it because she is she's looking like she could play the sea witch if you if you remember what the sea witch looked like melissa mccarthy that kind of fat comedian actress who's pretty famous is playing the sea witch because the sea witch is fat and anyways the little mermaid girl was looking almost as big as melissa mccarthy when the two were standing up there and she's dating a rapper and there's talk that he may be cheating on her or something so she may be turning to the ice cream in a time of stress. Well, hell, I'm sure being a Little Mermaid is stressful too. But at the Oscars, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a action multiverse movie, uh, basically cleaned house, won all, basically won everything it could. Everything that it could win, it won it. Got seven Oscars. And most importantly, it got the good ones, like you know, Best Actress and Best Film and Best Director. Um, you know, not a bunch of the weird things you never heard of. And so there's been this hashtag, Oscars So White, which was criticizing the Oscars for too many white people winning and not enough black people. It's really, I mean, it really should be Oscars. They should have, they, they didn't choose wisely. You know, like Black Lives Matter, that was the perfect phrasing. They needed something like that for the Oscars. I mean, obviously Oscars not black enough is not rolling off the tongue. You get the idea. Anyways, you need something short and says there's not enough black people because when you just say it's too white, that opens up the possibility that you could get a bunch of other people of color who aren't black who would win. And then when you're like trying to criticize the Oscars for being too white, it gets a little trickier. And so that's what happened. The Everything Everywhere movie, I think it centers around like a Chinese immigrant family, I mean, in America. And so what? Best actress and best supporting actor both went to Asians, East Asians. And then, like, Everything Everywhere wasn't guaranteed to win Best Film. But other than that, every, well, okay, there was like two categories that um, where it wasn't sure or it was an upset. So it wasn't sure that Everything Everywhere would win Best Film, but it did. You know, it could have been Top Gun or Elvis or who knows what. And then everyone thought that Angela Bassett, who was basically the only big... Um, black actor up for a big award um she was up she was up for a best supporting actress she lost to jamie lee curtis in that category and that was considered the biggest upset you know if it was an upset and i think in both of their cases it would have been basically a lifetime achievement award and uh so they said you know i mean jamie lee curtis is a hell of a lot more famous i mean her parents were both giant movie stars back in the day so she got the lifetime achievement there. And then it's a little funny, but the director, best director went to two guys. It's two, it's a it's a duo who directed everything everywhere. And so one of those guys is Asian. So you could kind of say that an Asian won best director. He was one of the two people who did. And then when you win best picture, um, I think the person who gets to take the little statue home is the producer. And so the producer of everything everywhere is an Asian guy. So four out of the top six awards um, either went to an Asian person or were split with an Asian person, part of the duo. So, I, you know, kind of cuts them off at the knees there with their Oscars so white. Criticism, I'm sure they will try, but I just I don't think it's going to work out real good. And it kind of made me wonder, like, Asians, you know, if they, I don't know, how, how much do Asians win Oscars? So I... I went to Wikipedia, they got a list of Asian Oscar winners, and I was hoping it would just, whatever, it's a giant page, I didn't want to read a whole bunch of stuff, but right at the very beginning, they start off with Best Director, just a list of all the Asian people nominated and who won for Best Director, and it turns out, three of the last four years, Best Director has gone to an Asian person, or, you know, this one that has half of a duo, Nomad Land. 
was an Asian woman who directed it, and then Parasite was a movie from Korea that won. So anyways, Asians are absolutely crushing it. I'm not sure if like if there ever has been a black director who's won. Um, probably has. Uh, I think there maybe Guillermo del Toro. He's basically like a white, but he's Mexican. He's white, but he's a Mexican. I think he's won, so there's probably been some Latinos of some sort who've won. But let me just put it this way. My guess is that the number one minority for winning Best Director is now Asians. And that's just because they won three out of the last four. So, you know, whatever. Asians, Asians doing well is always, is always a little bit of tri- It's always tricky for the woke, and I enjoy it. You know, they're like, there's not enough people of color at the good universities. They're like, well, they're half Asian. They're like, that's not what I meant. And so now it's the same thing with movies and Oscars. Oh, and the Oscars themselves were not that woke. Like, I forget what year, maybe four years ago or something, every acceptance speech had to include something about how they hated Trump. So they didn't have any of that, really. Someone mentioned... uh People who identify as women instead of just calling them women. The host made one Tucker Carlson January 6th joke. And I think a couple other things like that. Really not much. I don't think anyone, any man dressed as a woman got up there. That was getting pretty common at the other awards shows this year. Michelle Yeoh, best actress, said, I don't know, she didn't exactly dedicate her Oscar to people who look like her, but something. She said something about to girls that look like her, which could be a woke thing, or, you know, like, hey, hey, whites, Asians are here now. Or it could be like, all right, blacks, you had your chance, now Asians are here. Uh, when I was looking up Angela Bassett on Google for whatever reason, and the, the headlines about her were that she, when Jamie Lee Curtis won, Angela ba- everyone stood up and clapped, except for Angela Bassett, who sat there with a frown on her face. So, I'm pretty sure she thinks the whole thing was racist. Whether or not she will mention that in an interview coming out soon, uh, we will see. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.